Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we're going to recap Dan Mullen's Monday press conference. He touched on a number of topics that we'll get into in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we'll be joined by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to talk some Florida basketball and what went wrong for the Gators against the Seminoles as they now drop six straight in that rivalry. Now, before we get into Mullen's comments on Monday, some breaking news for Florida football today as the school has announced that they've scheduled a home-and-home series with Arizona State. The Gators will travel to Tempe, Arizona in 2028 to face the Sun Devils, and then they will come to the Swamp in 2031. This is definitely a matchup that I'm excited about. Arizona State has a really cool campus. It's a big party school, so I know fans and media members alike are going to be looking forward to this trip. And now when you look at Florida's future Power 5 non-conference opponents, UF Athletics Director Scott Strickland is putting together a pretty impressive list. You have the Florida State rivalry for the next three years, and then starting in 2022, you have a home game against Utah and a trip to Florida State. The following year, in 2023, the Gators go to Utah, then a home-and-home with Miami in 2024, 2025, 2028 comes the trip to Arizona State, and Colorado comes to the Swamp, and then the following year, 2029, the Gators go to Boulder, and then 2030, 2031, the home-and-home with Texas, as well as Arizona State coming to the Swamp. So those are a lot of games to look forward to. I know they're far down the road, but kudos to Scott Strickland for being so aggressive with his scheduling and giving Gator fans and media some pretty cool destinations to go to. Florida coach Dan Mullen met with the media on Monday, and he discussed a number of topics when he took the podium. Last week, he challenged his team coming off the loss to Georgia to show what kind of character they had, and they were able to bounce back on Saturday against Vanderbilt. It was around this time last year when he also called out his team coming off a homecoming loss to Missouri. That's when he made that famous comment about thumb wrestling and how he wants his players to always have that competitive edge no matter what they are doing. And since that loss to Missouri last year, the Gators have come a long way as a program. The players responded last season, finished the game with the winning streak, and that carried over into this season until they lost at LSU. But Dan Mullen talked that Monday about the comment he made after the Missouri loss last year and how his players responded after that. They responded good. Uh, no, I think it is. I think it's guys learning about just making sure they understand what it means to be a competitor sometimes, you know, and, and how to handle it and, and to how to focus on, on what's important. You know, I think there's so much that goes on around, you know, the, these guys have so much going on around them, so much pressure, so much outside noise. Some, they're young kids playing the game, you know what I mean, of whether it is, you know, all the pressures uh, from families, pressures from everybody back home, expectations, you know, that come. I mean, these guys, you know, now it starts with recruiting. I mean, everybody's so hyped up in recruiting and, uh, you know, all of this. And, and so those pressures come with all of that. And then, you know, you're a student athlete. You're here trying to – one of the premier academic schools in the country trying to – and you're competing in the classroom. Pressures of getting better and then, you know, hey, okay, well, I want to go win the championship. And I think after the last year's when we played them, we just – you know, I think we've kind of been eliminated from being able to play for the championship pretty much. And you weren't focused on what's important, which is if they're going to keep score – 
I want to compete. You know, the, the motivation you need to go play the game is they turn the scoreboard on and someone counts, keeps the score. That's the only motivate. I mean, you don't need any more. I mean, if you need more motivation than that, I mean, you're, you're not much of a competitor. And But I think our, our guys maybe were being pulled in so many directions and forgetting the aspect of we got a shot. Hey, well, they're, they're gonna, that foot hits the ball next Saturday. They're going to keep score and we want to win. And so we got to do everything in our power to make that happen. And, you know, and how we practice and how we prepare and, and all of that stuff. And that's what's important. And if you lose focus on that, that's when you can start to not play well. Freshman offensive lineman Ethan White and freshman linebacker Mahmoud Diabate were two standout players for the Gators on Saturday. Ethan White graded out as one of Florida's best linemen in his first career start. And Mahmoud Diabate recorded three sacks and earned SEC Freshman of the Week. Mullen spoke Monday about both of those players, what they've done to get those opportunities, and what he thought about their play on Saturday. Uh, I thought he did a great job. You know, I know, you know, I kept kind of joking uh, with him. You know, I told him, I said, hey, you know, if I were you, I said, you're, you know, you, you know, you're right there. If you're playing the right guard. You're between, you know, Gene and Nick. Right, and if you come off field and you mess up, and Hevesy starts yelling at you, I'd be like, I don't know, Coach Gene told me to do that, or Nick told me to do that. I'd throw everybody under the bus and just be confident, so he doesn't yell at you. Uh, <laughs> and he thought that was pretty funny, but I, I, I just think a lot of it was, you know, I mean, he was able to stay relaxed, he was able to confidently prepare the right, he prepared the right way, played with confidence, and I thought he played really well. Uh, Mahmoud's a great example for guys, you know. Talk about this with our team. Everybody gets worries about. How many plays did I play? Who went in the game first? Oh, this guy played the first series, and I didn't play to the third series. And I only got this many snaps. I only got that many snaps. My move was a fresh SEC freshman of the week, played 19 plays, right? And a great message for guys on the team, and I talk about it. Worry about the plays you're in the game, right? Don't worry about the plays you're not in the game. When you're not in the game, be focused what's going on in the game so you're better prepared for the plays when you are in the game. And so that you can play at an extremely high level on the plays that you are in the game. And – you know, he he played one of our fewer snaps of guys on defense. I think, you know, we had 20-some guys, I think, play with more snaps than Mahmoud did. But he was the SEC Freshman of the Week. Why? Because he made his 20, his 19 plays count, made plays on those 19 plays. So uh, it's a good learning lesson for guys. Worry about the game, plays that you're in, not the ones you're not in. Those, you know, I'm not going to grade you on the ones you're not in. Now, one question that I've been seeing a lot on social media is why isn't Kadarius Tony getting more touches since he returned from his injury? Well, Dan Mullen was asked that exact question on Monday, and despite it being a constant talking point with fans and media, Mullen said that he's not sick of hearing the question because it's something that he and his coaches ask themselves in the staff meeting every week. We find different ways. We found a couple different ways the other day. You know, we have them in the past game getting it and the thing is we have a lot of depth at receiver so you know I mean it's and and as you guys have seen it's not like always in the past game it's like okay just get this guy the ball we kind of take what the defense gets you know so it's not like we have a lot of plays that are designed just to get a specific receiver the ball we have lots of we have ways to move people around where we can expect to get them the ball but still, if they give you a certain coverage, you know, if we, if we call this play, they go, the ball's going to go here. Or if they run this defense, it'll go here. This defense will go here. This defense will go there. Uh, so, you know, we try to do the different things. I think we did the other day, move them into the backfield, throw them some, you know, a reverse pitch, try to get them a screen or those type of things. Because, like, you know, we saw the other day when he has the ball, exciting things happen. Do you get tired of that question? 
<laughs> no, no, because okay, we try to do it. I mean, I mean, we actually sit there and we have, you know, our get it to plays that we can put in and we try to put them in each week, you know, of put him and Emery in the backfield together. Exciting things are going to happen and something maybe good, maybe bad, but it's going to be exciting. <laughs> Mullen also gave an injury update on a few players. He said defensive end Jabari Zuniga is healthy this week and should be good to go on Saturday against Missouri. Brad Stewart, who left the game against Vanderbilt with an injury, all things checked out clear with him, and he should be okay. And Mullen also gave an update on quarterback Felipe Franks, where he's at in his recovery process, and what Mullen has said or not said to him about coming back next year and trying to win back his starting job. He's out of the cast, you know, and on crutches in the walking boot. Um, but, no, it's going to be a while uh, for him. You know, I mean, I, he'll be, you know, it'd be fortunate, it'd be, he'll be fortunate if we can get him back for spring practice with the type of injury he had. You know, it's not, you know, that's not always one that is an exact date, I don't think, uh, from dealing with some of those in the past. So, uh, but it'd be good if we can get him back for spring practice, but I don't know if that's a possibility or not yet. I'm trying to get us through this week and get a win this week, so we haven't even thought about that yet or even even addressed that. I think everybody's focus is on this game. You know, I think those are things you address when you get little breathers of what's going to happen when you have your player meetings, and, you know, I'll do those in December and January. When we come back from the first break, We'll be joined by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to talk some Florida basketball. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. Florida fans, if you're making your way to Gainesville this fall for UF home games or you're just a sports junkie like me, then I've got the perfect place for you. The Mealy Pop Shop, located off I-75 on 39th Avenue, is your one-stop shop for sports cards, memorabilia, autographs, gaming, and collectibles. I've been able to load up on my Michael Jordan cards since the shop opened last year. They have college and NFL games on in the store every weekend and a bunch of cool events, sometimes featuring former Gator players like Percy Harvin. Their NFL Weekly Pick'em is free and fun with weekly prizes and a season-long prize. So check out the Mealy Pop Shop at 3700 Northwest 91st Street, Gainesville, Florida, or call at 352-204-5573. I want to let you know that this show is brought to you in part by Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. We now welcome in Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun, who covers the Florida basketball team, among many other things, for the newspaper. Graham, welcome back into the show. And uh, Sunday was not the game that everybody thought was going to happen in the O-Dome, as the Knolls make it six straight against UF. I guess you can't count your Final Four appearances before they hatch, as we all learned over the weekend. Break down this game for us, sir. What did you think of the result? What went wrong for Florida against FSU on Sunday? Well, hey, Zach, good to be here. As usual, you do a great job. And uh, Sunday, you can definitely say that did not go the way Florida fans were expecting it to. Florida, the number six team in the country, they had lost five in a row to this Knowles team, but Florida thought that they were the little more experienced group after FSU lost a whole lot of talent yeah. from that team. Uh, but turns out that, that this FSU defense, their length, still has Florida's number. The Gators struggled, kind of looked like a deer in the headlights out there. Uh, they're 7 for 37 in their first two games from the three-point line. No one really foresaw that coming, no. and they're still missing a little bit of length. They have some good freshmen, but they did struggle on the, on the glass against FSU. Uh, that team just kind of came and flat-out beat them. Yeah, bullied them. Uh, bullied them is, is a good way to point it, uh, to put it. You know, Mike White uh, has not only had trouble – 
uh, with this FSU team, and that's what a lot of people are going to see from this game. But it really was a first test for this Gators team that a lot of people have highly regarded and ranked highly, but they haven't done a whole lot. This is still the sophomores who had a lot of growing pains last year, a trial by fire in a sense as they grew up and eventually made the NCAA tournament surprisingly to many the way that they had looked there at the beginning of conference play. They added a guy, Kerry Blackshear Jr., who many people expect to be one of the top players in the conference, if not the entire nation. And the fact of the matter was, and Mike White came out when he kind of admonished his own coaching, they just didn't give Kerry Blackshear the ball enough. Yeah, I mean, now, he didn't have a basket. He didn't game. have a basket. He he was, I think, you know, only got one touch there in the in the final five minutes. Um, they have to pass through him, even if he's not going to set up a play uh, for him to go and get you two points. He has to have the ball go through his hands. He draws a double team. He has a good touch around the rim. He can finish twelve feet outside the basket. He's got a good you know post hook. Uh, the ability to do that and get offensive rebounds is going to free up a lot of Florida shooters, and those shots that I just mentioned are going to fall sooner than later. This is a team that was able to hit 14 of 29 three-point attempts in that scrimmage. They're going to be able to shoot the basketball, yeah. but these first two games are more an example for this team of what they need to do when things go wrong. They have to find other ways to score the basketball when they're getting beat by defense, when they're having problems with the other team's aggressiveness and physicality. They have to find a way to score the basketball, and that's probably going to be through Blackshear until some of these freshmen grow up Zach after the season opener I asked Mike White what he felt like the team chemistry was on the court with this group given that there's so many new roster additions and you have the freshmen working in with a grad transfer and he said you know hey we're going to find out here in the first month of the season what our chemistry is like and, and how well we play or don't play together when you look at that loss to FSU how much do you chalk up to that that they are a brand new team with brand new pieces and they're still in a sense figuring out a way to play together. I think it's definitely a work in progress. Anytime you add nine new faces, the the majority of your basketball team is brand new. The three guys that you have who are mainstays who are going to play a whole bunch of minutes, they're not really ready to be in that leadership position where they're able to speak out so much, yeah. but they kind of have to be. It is a team that's going to have to once again have these sophomores uh, in a trial by fire scenario. We had said, I think, a lot in in one of our preseason podcasts, Zach, that this team was really going to kind of miss the veteran presence of Kavarius Hayes, even though he didn't really have the great offensive skill set that Mike White and Gator fans were really looking for out of a big man. That's someone who brought leadership and energy and was an emotional presence in that locker room, kind of righted the ship at halftime. And you kind of have seen in these first three games, so to speak, what can happen when you don't have that? Florida has kind of been beat and outscored uh, in the final 16 minutes of these first three games, and they're really trying trying to figure out how to right that ship. Blackshear is, is kind of more of a soft-spoken guy than I think people realize. He's yeah. not someone who's going to come out and call his teammates out when he thinks they're not giving 100% effort. But that may be what this team needs if they're going to have these top 10 expectations realized. Now, to suffer a loss to FSU six in a row with all the expectations that you mentioned they came into the season with, the birds got chirping in Gainesville after uh, that loss. A lot of folks upset that Mike White started off his fifth season in Gainesville with a with a result like that. What is your take on on the situation? One on the pressure that he faces from the fan base, and, and two where this program is at with a loss like this. I think that you look at any team, it's always disconcerting when you look at historically how teams have fared when they lose at home in November. Not often do they turn things around and make the Final Four. I don't think any team since 2003 I saw a stat out there has turned around after losing a game at home in November and then made it to the final four that same year it just doesn't happen 
the flip side of that coin, Zach, is that no one really remembers bad losses in November. Florida lost by 21 points in Tallahassee, and then they still ended up winning 20 games last season. And things were really rough, like I said, six weeks out from the NCAA tournament. Yep. So there's still plenty of time for Florida to right this ship. You look at the upcoming schedule, UConn in a few weeks, Towson on Thursday, they're going to get Gorjok Gak back. Uh, most likely he should be active for that game. Who knows how much he's going to actually play against Towson. That's a big help. But though. that's a veteran presence who, who, like Dante Bassett, has lost 20 pounds, looked good for the Australian national team this last summer. Uh, and if they can get him offensive rebounding, a little more physicality in the low post, that's certainly two things that Florida needs. And, and they can definitely make improvements right there when it comes to their roster. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head is that this is a team that just hasn't really gelled yet. Once they kind of get more time, they're really comfortable off the court. There's no two clicks, two separate units here, as kind of we've seen here in the past. Uh, this is a team that really likes each other, and they're going to push each other to grow. Uh, we've seen Andrew Nemhard have kind of a rough start. Noah Locke isn't shooting the ball the way that he you know, knows he can shoot the ball. So once you see two of these sophomores right the ship and then start playing through Blackshear more, this is a team that is going to kind of live up to, I think, a lot of the preseason accolades. But I think by no means anyone expecting – the Gators, Florida fans included, to come in and instantly be a number six team in the nation. Uh, they were a little bit, I think, led astray or, or got too hopeful by these preseason expectations. That number six ranking is where Florida could be at the end of the season based on their potential, based on their roster. Uh, it's it's down to Mike White and this team of 15 players to actually live up to that potential. Yeah, and Mike White would have been the first person to say that going into the season. Before we let you go, Graham, just thoughts on the football team bouncing back against Vanderbilt now trying to take their show on the road to Mizzou and avoid losing three in a row against the Tigers. Yeah, these two games, you know, I think that people always want to say that that Georgia game, the LSU game, uh, Auburn this past season, that those games are going to tell you how good Florida is. I, I don't really think that that's as true as how this team could, could respond right now. You saw that that Vanderbilt game, the way that it kind of started, Florida to, threw two interceptions in the red zone. In previous years, that could have led to a lot more mistakes and, yeah. and a little bit of a piling on, but Florida came out in the third quarter and turned it into a 56-0 and win. Three shutouts this year, the most in your lifetime and my li lifetime since 1988. I think you can't undersell that when you think of some of the things that Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer uh, did in Gainesville. Certainly this is a team that prides itself in the shutout uh, and can overcome slow starts. I think that's the most promising attribute of this team is that yeah. they understand that it's 60 minutes of football, and if the first 30 minutes don't go as well as they would have liked it to, they can still come out there in the last 30 and do that. You even saw that in the Georgia game against with, with Kyle Trask getting 14 points in the final 10 minutes there. Uh, kind of almost led an attempt at that rally, though they didn't have enough time. Uh, I, I think that Florida is going to struggle a little bit early with all that said against Missouri. Uh, you look at the factors, the, the 11 a.m. kick, the <laughs> coldest game that Florida has seen all season. Uh, closing the SEC slate at home, maybe looking ahead to the bye week, maybe ahead, looking ahead to FSU. There's certainly some factors that, that could make you worry, but I think that Florida is the more talented team, that they will handle Kelly Bryant, and they're going to come out here with, I think, a nine-point victory. I'm going 30-21 to 21 on Saturday, Zach. All right, you heard it here first. Graham Hall giving us some uh, scoop on basketball as well. Always great to hear from him. Make sure you guys go read all his stuff at Gatorsports.com. Appreciate Graham for joining us once again, and that'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we discussed Mullen's press conference on Monday and the number of topics that he hit on, and we also talked some Florida basketball with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. On tomorrow's show, we'll start to look at the Missouri Tigers and what challenges they could present Florida on Saturday. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.